Do difficulty and hardship go hand in hand with a free frontier life? Are they not just inherent features that go with the territory, but necessary conditions for a frontier culture to be sustained? And can the lifetime of a frontier be extended by avoiding making it too comfortable, if we can somehow resist the temptation? Join me for a look at these questions and more, right here on the No Fear Pioneer. In episode three, The Next Frontier, we pondered the ephemeral nature of frontiers, their seemingly inexorable tendency to change and gradually become less frontier-like over time. In the course of settling and developing a frontier, people take steps to make their lives a little less hard and a little more comfortable, and understandably so. The problem arises, however, when you make a new frontier too comfortable too fast. It can lose some of the key characteristics that got people excited about it and made them want to come there in the first place. When life becomes too routine, the frontier loses that inspiring sense of adventure and the unknown. When you make life too easy and comfortable, that self-selecting magnetism that drew the boldest, bravest, and most ambitious to the frontier widens to accommodate the preferences, personalities, and capabilities of just about anyone the demand for competing wants comes into conflict with the original desire to live free from interference and onerous regulations, and too often the former wins out. There might not be a whole lot that can be done about this, but it's a concern for those whose character and preferences are best suited to a frontier life, who yearn for adventure in places where they can willingly and enthusiastically assume all of life's risks, live simply, and create freely by their own hands, without interference. If the opening and settlement of new frontiers is continual and reasonably frequent, we have that to help us out. But I don't think it's something we can be assured of. At best, frontiers have tended to open once every few generations, if that, and with humanity spread throughout the globe, it sure looks as if we're at the end of that cycle here on Earth. If we make it to Mars or settle other places within our solar system, that, too, will be a multi-generational endeavor, and after a time, we may find ourselves at the declining end of the same familiar frontier cycle, wondering where to go next. Given those observations, it might be advisable for us to see whether the frontier cycle can somehow be slowed or lengthened the next time around. Can we make different choices that would help avoid the symptoms of decline and keep that freewheeling frontier spirit rolling along for a longer duration? What approaches are available to us, and what would success at that look like? I wonder if this is one of those cases of needing to have the wisdom, foresight, and self-discipline to favor a more valuable, long-term objective and outcome over more immediate but conflicting short-term rewards. In this case, the short-term temptation is a wish for greater ease and comfort, or the risk of being lulled into a desire for safety, security, and other such reassurances. If we aren't clear in favoring a deliberate choice to remain free over these competing desires, we end up sacrificing what we once prized most, 
and may not realize it until it's too late to reverse the decision. There are perhaps a few things we can do to try to extend this frontier cycle. One is to seize the opportunity to reflect on our experience and put as much wisdom and hard-won learning as we can into our new colony's foundational charters. The founding generation of Americans were avid students of history and put a great deal of care and thought into our foundational documents here in the USA. Documents that have done an extraordinarily good job keeping us largely free for over 230 years, sometimes despite our best efforts. America's revolutionary founders couldn't have foreseen every threat that might come our way in the time since, so we might hope, with the benefit of additional experience and hindsight, hopefully tempered by some due humility, to set up foundational structures that could survive even longer and extend the time before next sunset. Maybe there are ways we can be clearer about our goals, priorities, and exactly where we draw the line for how big the state is allowed to get and how far it's allowed to go. That said, founding principles and the documents that capture their essential ideas are only as good to us as our enduring love of and dedication to those ideas. Forces in the natural world and human nature make us prone to drift off course and waver in our commitment to our original long-term values and goals, and their effects can compound over time to make us stray from where we had originally set out to be. We need to understand and account for those forces, too, if we're to have hope of mitigating the drift. Having grown up and lived for many years in the long-ago former frontier of California, a place the world associates with fair weather and a pretty comfortable, easy-going life, I've been led to ponder a key question. Can a frontier culture only exist for a sustained interval, where life is relatively hard? Where it takes a pretty substantial and constant effort to sustain? That may seem an odd thing to contemplate wishing for, and maybe only the luxury of our present, historically comfortable lives makes it possible to consider, but when you've observed for long enough to notice our tendencies to invent so many of our own problems when we are exceedingly idle, the question starts to make sense. Reality poses challenges to our survival that we are wise to work to mitigate, but becoming too far disconnected from reality and its salutary feedback loops seems to be the source of a lot of our grief. When our basic survival needs are generally met, the restless minds that evolved to keep us alive keep right on spinning in their endless cycles of worry. When we have too much time on our hands, we invent new worries and problems, often followed by unrealistically over-engineered attempts at solutions, causing ourselves greater grief in the end. When we have too little to do, we can become our own worst enemies. We also tend to lose sight of the long-term picture of how dramatically our lives have improved since the times of our ancestors. We start beating ourselves up with earnest seriousness and self-recrimination that seems to belie a lack of long-term perspective. Our ancient minds are just not quick to adjust to the conditions of a modern life that would have been unimaginable to our forebears. We are adaptable in many wonderful ways, but a life of relative freedom from worry about basic survival is just not what our hardware was built for, and therein seems to lie the source of some of our modern-day troubles, troubles that are in many ways in our own heads. An interesting paradox I've noticed in all of this is that 
happiness can in a strange sense be less elusive in places where life is simpler, if more difficult and challenging. You might think that relative ease and comfort would make us happy, but thanks to the phenomenon of the perpetually overactive worry machines in our heads, the opposite turns out to be true. When you're busy from dawn to dusk doing what you need to do to keep the homestead going, you don't have a lot of time or use for idle worry. There's enough of tangible, immediate consequence to think about and deal with, without plaguing your mind with new, useless torments. Somewhere in this is, I think, a clue to what we need and where we ought to be headed in our minds and thinking, if we're wise enough. Part of the trouble we're in is a matter of our own mindsets, and the way out requires us to adjust them. I feel like what we need now, more than ever, psychologically, is to get our sense of fun back, our sense of adventure and possibilities, and a paradoxically easygoing approach to the serious, courageous, and risky work of exploring and settling new places. I don't know whether this is unique to me, but I'm thankful to be old enough to remember a whole other time where that was more the sense of things. And it's something we can get back now, even before new physical frontiers such as Mars open up, but I expect it will thrive the best, ironically, in places where we are working the hardest and in the closest contact with reality's challenges. We can have an amazing future if we can get out of our own heads long enough to let ourselves build and enjoy it. I guess I still don't have a satisfying answer to the question we've been contemplating of how the life cycle of a new frontier could be extended. Maybe a partial solution is to think more broadly of multiple, potentially simultaneous frontiers, of a spacefaring future that, once it hits a key inflection point and really opens up, might start to offer multitudes of possibilities in a wide variety of places. Alternatives whose existence will offer myriad options and places to escape to. I'll be giving this idea more thought and plan to return to it in a future episode. In the meantime, maybe the single frontier question will give us some useful food for thought and remind us at the same time how fortunate we've been to have all that we do, including a future of enormous possibilities that lies ahead of us. Take it easy, my friends and enjoy the ride. We're in for one massive adventure. Our future is ours, and it's wide open. I'm Troy Stevens, and this has been another No Fear Pioneer. Thanks so much for joining me for this exploration of ideas, and please do stay tuned to the podcast feed. There's more to come. As always, I welcome your feedback and suggestions for future topics. You can find me on Twitter or Gab as Kulak76, on Parlor as Kulak, or you can send an email to Kulak, that's K-U-L-A-K, at fearlessdream.us. I'll see you next time. Till then, forge ahead boldly, my friends.